0: You have accessed entry 521.jb1817, certificate number 34402. Generic Food. I was a kid, my mother would never buy any name brand foods. <laughs> never a name brand. Be in supermarket. Ma, can we get some Jif peanut butter? You got some Jif money? <laughs> never a name brand food. You know, my mother used to buy all the time the no frills food. You ever seen a no frills food, the white box with the black letters?
1: How much brand loyalty would you say you have hmm. on a scale of one to ten?
0: I would say uh, that's a good question. I, I'm, um, without giving free advertising to uh, a half a dozen products that have not paid to be on the just
1: just use the ones who have paid how much loyalty do you have to (laughs) Mac Weldon uh, some kind of Miro collaboration software
0: I'm wearing the Mac Weldon underwear right now (laughs) Um, I like there's a certain brand of frozen pizza that I like and I don't like any other brand of frozen pizza so if I can't get the one I won't get any others Um, and uh, I'm a pepper I like dr. pepper I know you like Dr. Pepper.
1: I'm a Diet Pepper.
0: They're not going to advertise on the show, probably. But my great grandfather was also a Pepper. Really? He would buy. He would go to town in Van Wert, Ohio, in 1932, and while his wife went to the Woolworths, he would buy a, a single Dr. Pepper and stand out on the corner of First and Main and drink his, you know, savor his Dr. Pepper for an hour. While. What was uh, she
1: doing at the Woolworths? Was she having a cherry phosphate or was no, she shopping? I, th- I just
0: think she was shopping. She was buying the thing, you know, she was buying chicken feet or whatever you get at Woolworths.
1: Yeah, chicken feet. But Wait, he, did
0: you say feed or feet? Feed, but, oh. you know, sure, feet. Yeah, it's two different aisles. Uh, and he would stand there and, you know, and every everyone in town would pass by and, and having his Dr. Pepper was his opportunity to like talk to his townspeople, his fellow townspersons. And that, because they lived on a farm way out in in the middle of BFE. So
1: That was his bar, just standing yeah. on a street corner with a, a Dr Pepper. And that was the only drink available in America at the time. Water was not safe to drink. Sarsaparilla. Yeah, exactly. You could have Dr Pepper <laughs> or you could have a delicious So I remember when I was a kid, this is a not relevant at all, but there's some I think Weird. there's some encyclopedia yeah, for a change. There's How can it be not relevant? We haven't even talked about anything yet. This is everything right now is a perfect democracy of relevance. Uh there's some encyclopedia brown mystery I read as a kid that hinges on root beer and sarsaparilla tasting exactly the same.
0: Right. Well, this is what and they'll a, tell you. And if that's you, not true. If you go to the United Kingdom and try and talk to people about root beer, they're going to tell you that root beer and cough syrup taste exactly the same. I know that. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, they're wrong.
1: But it's funny. We could, we could, we've tricked a generation of kids into thinking that root beer is delicious. By giving it to them as a sparkly soda, whereas if you told them it was for their throat, they would be like, don't make me have that.
0: Right. I love a root beer. But I'm also, you know, and oh, so this is an example, right? I am not a root beer brand purist. I'll drink six different root beers. Get, At the
1: same time. You'll stir them
0: all together in a, a big vat. It's even better. That's how you make Dr. Pepper. <laughs> you put six root beers together. Uh,
1: I know you're not a um I know you're kind of an airline loyalist. You you uh you poo-poo people who will just buy the cheapest ticket.
0: Well, after decades of buying the cheapest ticket and realizing that my life was was twice as hard and unpleasant because you, I fly a lot. You
1: needed a system. You
0: needed yeah. order. And I and I just took I just chose the airline that I chose because a uh, friend of the show John Hodgman and friend of the show John uh, Jonathan Colton both you ch- just
1: you just essentially named it cuz Hodgman's book yeah, is named for a trademark of this company.
0: But 12 years ago they both sat me down and shook me the by the lapels and they were like you need to get right with the airline think- like you you need to get on this mild mileage program. Is
1: that Delta's? I didn't know that was their. They're a multi-level marketing program. They are. Does Hodgman? Are you in his downline? Does he
0: get a? Does he get a few cents on the dollar every time you buy a ticket? Well, what was cool is we were traveling a lot together, and so he would get these. He would get first class upgrades for me all the time because we'd be flying from you know flying from here to there, and he was in first class, and his magic platinum power got me in first class over and over and he was like if you're not saving up these delta points you're you're just like throwing money on the ground. I was like god, I don't want to throw money on the ground. That sounds like a dumb thing. So I signed up and then I got caught in that whole craziness of like I'm trying to get my status every year. I felt like I'd been I've been twice duped.
1: First you thought you were gonna, you you lost the ease of just buying the cheapest ticket and somehow you joined a cult. Right. Without even wanting joined a, to.
0: Joined a terrible cult because, you know, once you're in their cult, they can treat you as badly as you as they want and you're like, no, please give me more. What are you gonna
1: do? Go to American? Yeah. I don't think but, so. But
0: I was sitting on a flight one time, uh, again, like upgraded to first class and the guy next to me, the, uh, the flight attendant opened a can of pop or whatever and a little drip got on his pants and he was totally cool about it. And the flight attendant was like, "Oh, sir, I'm so sorry. Here, why don't I give you ten thousand miles on your <laughs> uh, on your Delta car- card?" And I was like, "Pour some on me." Yeah, I was like, "Some got on me," and they they both laughed. <laughs> and then on on subsequent flights, you know, I've had I've had flight attendants spill hot coffee on me, and I'm like, "Well, you know, you could make it right," and they're like, "Sorry," and skate off. And I was like, "What? Oh, it's just whatever flight attendant wants to." They they can just upgrade you to gold status, or
1: maybe that guy was some special because they do have a chart that tells them this guy was uh, has been Uh, gold three years running. He's platinum. He's you know, and then that that's when you get the old hey, Mister Roderick, thank you for your thank you for your service, thank you for your loyalty. Not not really service, is it? When you think about it, well,
0: well, the way they think about it, but the but the thing is, every once in a while, I did have to fly on American or United and realize that I mean, it's there are there are worse things than being. On Delta.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You have to do it every so often to keep you humble.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And being on American is worse, but being on United, I don't even see how people can live like that. But I'm not a loyalist, a brand loyalist for things like coffee. I'll drink whatever coffee you have. Uh, I've driven both Fords and Chevys. Wow. Uh, I've. um, Non-binary.
1: That's right. The two genders, Ford and Chevy.
0: I play both Fenders and Gibsons. Like in a, a lot of the things where I, I, I know people that become super dedicated to one to what seemed like a kind of bicameral universe, like you're either a fender or a Gibson. And that's and
1: that. a lot of these choices are tribalism like yeah, that, right? It's yeah. it's not that like do you, are you aware? Do you have can you tell this coffee's good and this one's less good? Yes, or
0: yes. And I often don't you know, the fashion the the real coffee fashion people really love Ethiopian light roast super acidic coffee and i don't like it i like i like dark roast central american chocolate tasting coffee and so when i go places and they're like oh you're going to love this it's, we have the latest i'm like i don't it's really the latest coffee is not what i'm interested in i want i want your old fashioned dad coffee i was darker the better i was thinking about which things i care about
1: because, you know, anytime you've been in some kind of either long time or temporary poverty, you're very aware of which brands are eight cents less or right. whatever on the shelf. And there are some things where, like, in you know, in college, I would always buy the 19 cent store brand macaroni and cheese. Right. And it was terrible. Like, there is a big difference between Kraft
0: and yes.
1: Food Town. Yes. Macaroni and cheese.
0: Yes, the cheese gets brighter and brighter and <laughs> yeah, that, brighter.
1: That's an, that orange color is not <laughs> found in nature, except maybe in Trinity, New Mexico. So, and I asked Mindy, "Are like which things do you will you buy the store brand of?" And she was very poo pooing store brands. And I kind of went through the cabinets, and I was like, "You bought this can of beans?" She was like, "Well, sure beans. sure, beans." Well, you bought these. You bought these. Well, sure, peaches. And I said, "What about ketchup?" And she's like, "Oh no,
0: Heinz.
1: I would never buy store brand ketchup." And I was like, "Really?" I, and I don't think I could. I don't think I would taste the difference in a lot of these uh, non-no-frills brands.
0: I could not possibly use store-brand raspberry jam. I have to – I will spend extra for good jam because because the gulf between good jam and bad jam is so, so broad.
1: I buy the weird French ones in the plaid little jars. Me too you do too. Cause that
0: stuff is delicious. It's
1: like, it's, it's, <laughs>
0: it's so I'm not, I'm not just fooling myself, no. right? Like the, the, those mamans, those yes. are so much better.
1: But there is something in the brain where like, I, I think I could be being fooled by the, nope. by the plaid not. jar. That okay. stuff
0: is good. If you go to the Oregon country fair or you go up to, to, uh, Skykomish and buy some handmade raspberry jam, that stuff is really good, but it's also $14 a jar. Uh, <laughs> So you got to, you know, you got to sp- split the difference.
1: Yeah, if it, if it if it's uh, if it costs 3 times as much but it's only like 1.2 times as good, you're throwing your money away, John. Yeah.
0: I will almost always buy the generic medicine. Yes. Because I feel like buying Sudafed or buying the the um There's not a recipe. Bartel's version. Yeah, right. It's just like how much of the active a- ingredient. Acetaminophen
1: is acetaminophen, right? It's not like uh, it's not like this is government B grade acetaminophen. Yeah, and that was Mindy's bright line test too. She was like, anything with a recipe. Oh, huh. a can of kidney beans doesn't have a recipe, but I'm not buying store brand Oreos because they will just taste oh. like
0: college and poverty. Oh, they're awful. Yeah, they really are. The one, the one thing I will say is that the reverse snobbery came into this uh, in my college days in the form of beer. Um. We be we became absolute loyalists of Schmidt beer, the which is just is it the cheapest. It's, it's not. not a, it's pretty often the cheapest beer, and um, and we just we fought for Schmidt. If you had if you had bought the if you'd bought really nice beer and a half rack of Schmidt, we would have absolutely gone to the Schmidt first because it became a it became a cult. Like we among my little group of Alaskan friends, we just um just decided that Schmidt was our emblem.
1: And it can represent something besides that, right? You're right. a man, I'm a simple man. Yeah. I don't need your fruity Roar. European
0: beers. But we wouldn't even drink Schlitz. I mean, we drink Oli, but um but Schmidt was where we lived. But then they came out with generic beer. Do You remember generic beer? Where we we're, we're going to talk about generic <laughs> beer. And we we were like, "Well, if 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 Schmidt is good, then generic beer's got to be great." And generic beer just tasted like – really, really tasted like after they put the Schmidt in cans, whatever was left (laughs) in the vat, they put into like a plastic garbage bag, left it in the parking lot for a week, and then poured it into –
1: I don't even know why they would – I mean, that's just – that's got to be less efficient to leave it 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 in the parking lot for a week. It
0: gets more sour. It tastes more like, I don't know, like underwear funk. So – I had to draw the line.
1: I feel like the recipe law does not work for me in one respect, which is I like those big bags of cheap cereal. I feel like you're no. I feel like I I feel like I'm getting away with something that I'm not paying for the mascot, the rabbit or the leprechaun. Yeah,
0: you're a cereal eater. I'm not. But what about Oh wait, you don't eat
1: cereal? No. Wait, you you never eat cereal. How did I not no. know this? No. I just saw numbers by the way on the number of people who say they dislike potatoes. Hmm. And it's like half a percent what really yeah you're like one in 200 or something
0: half a percent is that
1: higher than you would think
0: no i figured that i had more brethren in the world that didn't like potatoes
1: in a, in a room full of 200 people it's you
0: <laughs> well it confirms Every- what i know about the world which is that everyone else is wrong
1: look around the party <laughs> everybody's got a tater tot on a toothpick and you're you're standing alone with your uh, dr pepper
0: I know that I'm pretty lonely in the don't eat cereal world too but I just feel like cereal but but what are am you, i what am, are you am i a horse oh I see you know like you put some you put some food coloring on some on some horse food and
1: no and but you also put in sugar
0: is the su- thing. sugar and food coloring and milk on horse food but you don't eat eat it with milk I bet you just eat it dry no the
1: back. I, I ate it with milk like that's the, that's the whole thing and' I'll, and I'll eat it in small small mini bowls so that it doesn't get um, it doesn't get soggy it's all about the texture you want to have the the hard horse food and the cold milk but I would always in college and to this day I would always buy the big bags of off-brand and I remember being in, specifically in college being at a grocery store and turning down lucky charms even though they were on sale to get a big bag of marshmallow mateys. And this girl was like, what are marshmallow mateys? And I said, well, look at them. Look at, look at them. The bag is transparent. These are, just, uh, these are just Lucky Charms with a nautical theme. And she thought that was so funny that she actually agreed to go out with me on the strength of me calling wow. Marshmallow Mateys Lucky Charms with a nautical theme. Wow. I might have said maritime theme, which is funnier. Probably nautical.
0: Well, so uh, when, I, when I did eat cereal when I was a kid...
1: Do you feel like it's immature to eat cereal? Is that a part of it?
0: I do feel a little bit. I mean, that's the
1: reason why I don't chew bubblegum.
0: I do do feel like they're a little, it's a little bit kid food. And it's partly because I liked the kid food. I liked the kid version of cereal. Sure. Um, And I had a real, uh, I liked cocoa pebbles.
1: Right. They're like tricks. But no, no, cocoa pebbles are are like Rice Krispies kind of. Yeah, bit, cocoa
0: pebbles are like Cocoa Krispies, uh, but they're but cocoa pebbles. I think were the low rent Cocoa Krispies.
1: Is that right? The Flintstone Flintstone stuff was cheaper.
0: Yeah, and and but I really liked it. It it was where my taste developed. I preferred, but then you couldn't find cocoa pebbles, and so cocoa pebbles became this kind of. Treasure of the Sierra Madre, or whatever you know, I needed to find cocoa pebbles, and I would have my mom driving from grocery store to grocery store. I wouldn't settle for less than the, than the than the worst Flintstones-based foods. But like Cocoa Puffs became a cereal that a lot of um, there were a lot of knockoffs of Cocoa Puffs. Well, sure, just it's like they're just they're of, just
1: corn balls dipped right. in some kind of cocoa powder.
0: Just as there are a lot of knockoffs of. Um, of, the of the cheese version of them, um, Cheetos. Cheetos. Thank yes. you. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you think of Cheetos? <laughs> yeah, hey, the, pass
1: me that bowl of the cheese version of Cocoa the, Puffs. The
0: cheese flavored Cocoa Puffs. Oh,
1: uh, John's had a stroke again.
0: But those are the those uh, they're imitated. You know, there's so many store brand versions of Cheetos, and they're all inedible. That's and, what I don't understand. But Cheetos are the greatest of all foods.
1: These mu- these recipes have to be simple, right? Why can no store make a good store brand Oreo or uh, Storio, if you will, or, or uh, Cheeto mm-hmm. or, or Cola? Uh,
0: they're not using the right quantities of xanthan gum, I think.
1: <laughs> Do you think the additives are expensive enough that they're just like, we're leaving out the sodium benzoate or the lecithin and that's what does it?
0: <sighs> what is it? It's got to be – it's always something in the acidity or the the – some combination of umami and sugar – and I don't know. Do
1: you think they're just leaving it in a bag in the parking lot
0: and, they, sh- and they should skip that step? It must be. They leave it in the sun too long.
1: I may have, I think I may have told this story in Omnibus before, but uh, speaking of supermarket brands of soda, my, my brother uh, at a tech company had a fridge in his office at one point and he would stock it with nothing but the store brands of Dr. Pepper.
0: Oh no. Cause you know
1: how every no frills brand has a, has a, has a Coke, right. a, a cola equivalent, but they also have a Dr. Pepper equivalent and they can't say that. So they call it Dr. Thunder right. or, or Dr. Safeway or Dr. Good old Dr. Safeway. Dr. Sierra, Dr. Cragmont, Dr. Pooper. Right. And so he would just fill a fridge. He would go from uh. store to store and just fill a fridge with these, with these awful, uh, Dr. Pepper knockoffs. And he did it entirely as a bit. So that when somebody came in his office, he was like, Hey, do you want a uh. soda? Yeah. What do you got? Well, I've got Dr. Shasta, I've got Dr. Mountain, I've got... See, this is why we can't
0: tax the rich.
1: Because they because will...
0: that all of the humor of life goes away if they don't have both if, the free time and the resources... And the disposable income. ...to put gags like this together.
1: Like, if you just have to go to one... If you just have barely have time to go to one grocery store a week between your two jobs... You can't pull off the no, the, no, 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 the no, Doctor right. Cragmont prank.
0: No, and then who's gonna? And then you you steal all the laughter from people. <laughs> now we we grew up in the West, so you drank Shasta, right? Sure. And I drank Shasta. Do they still have Shasta? I think I don't know, but I I loved Shasta, and to- I liked RC Cola too.
1: Uh, Coke is one thing where I get annoyed when it doesn't taste like Coke. Is RC Cola good? I can't remember.
0: Oh uh, no! But well, it was when pl- I have to drink, drink fine.
1: in Seattle. It's always. I think I've said this. People yeah. they have Jones Cola, oh, yeah, and it just night. tastes like. Bubble gum or something because they're using real sugar, yes, yeah. and, and real extracts of whatever, and it tastes like a candy store. How do you
0: feel about Mexican Coke? Uh, I'm
1: not racist. Mm, like, uh all right. I'm not going to separate. uh Okay, I don't want to separate a family of.
0: You don't want to take Mexican Coke and put it over here, and 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 Coke Classic and put it over there. Think what
1: Mexican Coke has has done for this building, this country, John.
0: Yeah, uh, it's reintroduced sugar. Mexican
1: pop. Coke chose to be here. We're here. We're here <laughs> by coincidence. <laughs> Mexican Coke loves America more.
0: There was a, you know, there was actually like an anchor Coke that came here and then brought Mexican Coke <laughs> later.
1: Was RC Cola the anchor Coke? No, no RC Cola is Canadian, isn't it?
0: I think it was, uh, it, I think it was uh, Machaca. No, what, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, Jaritos? Jaritos. I think it was Jaritos that came and then brought Mexican. Coke that's with the it.
1: Mexican soda that's beloved in our house because it's fun flavors. It is fun flavors. You know, uh, even Fanta is not making a tamarind or a or a pineapple version. Yeah, never. Uh, did. I think we're going to get letters that there is a pineapple Fanta in <laughs> the Philippines and Colombia, and we're going to have to issue an apology.
0: What are your uh, What are your favorite brands? <sighs> You seem like you—you you know there, there's there's enough of a libertarianism in you that it feels like you would resist or reject brand loyalty,
1: just as, on the basis on of the, our consumerism being unhealthy.
0: Well, no, or just that you're not going to be somebody that's going to be held in in prison by uh, by cocoa pebbles. But but maybe maybe I'm projecting. Gro- grocery <laughs> grocery brands only. I don't I don't know How, what, what happens when you go to Trader Joe's.
1: Uh, I actually have quite a bit of brand loyalty to Trader Joe's.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people do.
1: Because, I mean, it's hard to park, but a lot of those... It's hard to walk through those
0: stores. Why are they <laughs> arranged that way? That's not
1: necessary. <laughs> Why is there candy above the freezer case? Just, I don't know.
0: Just make, them, make it a square grid.
1: I mean, Trader Joe's is interesting because a lot of those groceries uh, come off the same assembly lines as, as name brand products. And they just run the second half of the run with Trader Joe's brand, right? And it's the same with Costco. Like, I, speaking of brand loyalty, I love Costco. I love. it. do you wear I love Kirkland that not clothes? Eating. Not that much. I think I might. This actually, this fleece might be Kirkland.
0: Boy, a, a a more Ken Jennings sentence was never uttered.
1: I don't think it is. Actually, I think I bought it
0: at Costco. It oh is. no, it is. It's hey, there's, there's the tag. A Kirkland fleece. Wow.
1: Because you know the regular ones at Target were eighteen bucks, I know. but this was sixteen
0: fifty. Sure, <laughs> sure. When, when you pull into the uh, the charging station for your for your Nissan Leaf, that uh, uh, that that Kirkland fleece really keeps the breeze off.
1: It's a Chevy Volt. Uh, the thing about the Costco house, I mean, first of all, Costco is less evil; it pays its employees well and so forth. But their house brand rule is that it has to be it has to be as good as top of the line stuff. Like this uh, fleece or whatever, however their internal quality testing works is a good fleece. Like the, the triple distilled French vodka, Kirkland Industries French vodka that they put right next to the Grey Goose is probably Grey Goose. Hmm. It, it, they just are not allowed to call it such. Uh, the, it feels even a little
0: there- bit consumer reports though, where it's like, that's, we tested these two fleeces and that's what,
1: that's what I love about <laughs> it. It's got the circle with the, the nipple in it, which is the best consumer reports thing, right? Yeah, you don't, you don't want nipple. the red, the red half circle. No, don't buy the Magnavox. Uh, nobody knows what we're talking about.
0: I think, I think people that subscribe to consumer reports do.
1: The future should know that there was a, uh, a brief publishing trend. Well, you know, a couple decades of publishing trend of, uh, People just really enjoying reading about which toaster was better than that toaster, even if they never actually were shopping for a toaster.
0: When you were a kid, did you, like me, read Consumer uh, Reports cover to cover? Absolutely.
1: But I loved it when it was something I actually had an opinion on. Like the car stuff I would read, but I would be like, I'm not buying a car. But occasionally they'd have, who has better? French fries. Uh Wendy's, Burger King, or McDonald's?
0: Oh, I read the car things just avidly, but I would sit and read an entire review of like weed trimmers, <laughs> exactly, and like be rooting for one and like, yes, it got a, it got the green circle for reliability.
1: They were written and often written in narrative form. It would be like, and then we tried whatever, but the mouthfeel was not as good, right. and uh, and with larger sized weeds, um, it was the uh, speaking of this kind of era. Which I, if you're picturing Consumer Reports as being kind of a late '70s, early '80s phenomenon, yeah, the 1970s were a very hard time to be in the grocery business.
0: Unlike now, when being a grocer is it's just like it's printing money, it's its own reward.
1: It's printing money, but the money is coupons. Uh-huh. Uh, as a result of Carter-era inflation and you know the economic woes of that time, we I didn't
0: mean, whip inflation. Now it turned out we
1: didn't even whip inflation <laughs> later. I mean, we whipped inflation Eventually. gradually. Eventually wig, we you know, did. wig, yeah, wig. Uh, like, did you remember that Carter even suggested price freezes on certain kinds of groceries? I do. Remember. Like, it seemed like a crisis, like mm-hmm. an unprecedented crisis.
0: We were, uh, we were headed to, we were a banana republic at the time. Our currency was going to be it was a
1: peanut republics. So it was Carter
0: was going to be. You know, we were going to have million dollar bills just to pay for a, a wheelbarrow. We needed a wheelbarrow for a, full of cash just to get a, a box of Cocoa Krispies,
1: like Zimbabwe. And, uh, or so
0: Weimar Germany.
1: And so, if you if you take inflation exactly, if you take inflation out of the picture, uh, grocery store revenues were flat for the entire decade. Hmm. Uh, people just did not have spare money for anything. Like you know, if they're not spending money for slightly nicer coffee than Maxwell House, you know they're not you know buying luxury goods.
0: You know, those were my prime supermarket days. Uh, me too. At the at the start of the seventies, I was riding in the in the cart, and by the end of the seventies, I could go to the supermarket by myself. I, I, I remember so distinctly the feel of those, of those aisles, those shelves.
1: I, I got a free cookie every time I went to the Safeway on 65th.
0: There, I, I, I went to the grocery store one time and there was a woman there in a, in a uniform of some kind holding a tray where she had little cubes of cheddar cheese with toothpicks in them. And she was like, would you like to try a piece of cheese? And having that piece of cheese on a toothpick, the cheese tasted so much better that for, I think, five years after that, I only wanted cheese cubed and served with a toothpick. By a lady in a, by a blonde in a uniform? By a, like a lady in a flight attendant uniform. And I, and honestly, if you put cheese on a toothpick, I thought it tasted twice as good as cheese in any other form. And I think my mom kind of, Continued to fool me, like rather than get me a birthday cake, she just cubed some cheese and put toothpicks in it. And, you know, and I was just, I felt like it was the most deluxe thing you could get.
1: Do you remember the grocery experimentation at this time? You know, because stores were not making money, they were trying new ways to appeal to kind of no frills customers.
0: Green Uh, stamps, you mean?
1: Green stamps, for sure. One thing you had around here, do you remember U Market? There was a, there were a couple stores called U Market. I think there, I know there was. We used to go to the one in Linwood. There was one in Capitol Hill as well. And if I remember right, the gimmick of U Market is that they they saved money on shelving and price tagging, and passed the savings along to you, the customer. So you would have to it was just
0: in a big pile in the center of the room.
1: Basically, you would have to write down with a little grease pencil the price of the thing. You know, the the shelves were labeled with what the thing was. Oh, right. But you would have to write down on the tag what it was, and then the 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 cashier could ring you up. Well, that's the literally that, you mark it.
0: That's the uh, isn't that the the whole premise of the bin aisle at the at the super expensive sure. natural food store? Imagine
1: a whole <laughs> a whole building of that. Except you're also doing it not just to the. The coconut flakes. Did
0: that really but save That you're doing money? it to detergent.
1: And, uh, it seems unlikely, right? Like it almost seems like it was a gimmick designed to make you feel like you were being frugal.
0: Right. And Have you uh, read the articles recently about Dollar General and Family Dollar stores? How they're kind of taking over? Well, not just taking over, stores? but, but they, um, they cut costs by... Not having any employees, I've noticed, or or any service of any kind, and uh, and what what those um, what those stores are doing is that they're going into like areas and essentially uh, creating urban decay around them because they push out other yeah. retailers and grocers, and then they're also awful. So um, if you see a Dollar General pop up in your neighborhood, you know that your neighborhood's done basically because they they become like. Crime centers because there's nobody watching, and
1: I do have some brand loyalty to dollar stores. Actually, oh really? For one reason alone, sunglasses. You,
0: you buy a lot of streamers. I buy a lot. Of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: buy a lot of not very good Valentine's Day cards.
0: What you you wear dollar sunglasses?
1: I lose sunglasses so often Whoa. that I will just wear one dollar sunglasses because I know I'm going to leave it on a restaurant table next week.
0: It's crazy because I have a lot of brand. Maybe not loyalty, but brand fascination with sunglasses. I, I know
1: you're the opposite here. Yeah,
0: that's strange. And how
1: do you not lose them? You, well, it's because you're a glasses wearer, I think. Yeah. yeah. You, you've, you've got a part of your brain designed to keeping something on the bridge of your nose. But I
0: do lose them also. Oh, okay. Well, Sucks.
1: You're, not, you're not really a success story. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: not really. Don't follow me, kids. <laughs> I'm not a role model.
1: Uh, in addition to kind of no-frills gimmicks like that, uh, this was the dawn of... Uh, grocery stores branching into what were then called box stores and combo stores. Hmm. The interesting thing is that combo star- stores became what we today call box stores right a place where you can go and buy not just groceries but all kinds of
0: lawnmowers household and, and, and clothing Meyer. stuff.
1: yeah, it turns into uh, Walmart and Target these were called combo stores at the time and the idea was you could you could lure you could lure a shopper in with um, you know one-stop shopping, and you would probably also carry maybe fewer brands. And that was also true of the box stores, which were the places where it's called box stores because they would just leave stuff in crates, basically. Oh. Like instead of putting stuff on nice shelves, you would kind of have a warehouse feel. And this is the beginning of, of Costco and, and Sam's Club and kind of the, the no-frills warehouse shopping of today. Right. Um, but these were just all attempts to make frugal customers feel like they were squeezing every last penny. It was you know, plenty of couponing that hadn't been seen since war rationing returned. Uh, and in Europe, in particular, there was one invention that a uh, a French retail chain called Carrefour. Maybe
0: you've probably been in Carrefour. You
1: know, it's a French, it's a hypermarket, it's a, it's Target or whatever. Right. Basically, uh, they followed in the footsteps of pharmaceutical companies and
0: decided to look at generics, non-name brand items. So, so generic pharmaceuticals were an innovation of the pharmaceutical industry i would have thought that well, that would be strangely they were an innovation of
1: offshoots of the pharmaceutical i, I mean if generic pharmaceutical companies are part of the pharmaceutical <clears throat> industry
0: yes right. it's not bayer that's that's pressing to come up with fake aspirin no
1: it's- bayer was one of the early litigants of a of a 1930s court case trying to keep uh, aspirin coming from their factories only. And in fact, in the U.S. at this time, this was before the Hatch-Waxman Act of 1982, which made it a lot easier. It, may, it gave generics an easier regulatory pathway, and it kept the patented companies from suing them while they did their uh, all their testing.
0: 1982 really, really set the bar uh, for deregulation. <laughs> if you're going to pick a year and call it the year of deregulation, I think 82 has got to be r- right up there.
1: But I mean, this one, like, are we in favor of this one? Like, I might be in favor of generic, using uh, the way for generic drugs. I wish that they hadn't
0: deregulated the airline industry and the banks.
1: That was the one I was gonna <laughs> I mean, those two, I'm a little worked at, more worked up about.
0: But no, I think, you know, generic beer, generic aspirin, like, like, damn the torpedoes.
1: I mean, if, you're, if you make a generic drug, you still have to do all the testing that the company that helped the patent did independently. Oh, you can't and you just, can't start until the patent runs out.
0: Really? You can't just ride their coattails and say, it's all the same ingredients. I'll We're just using- put
1: acetaminophen in mine. Right. No, no. Um. Uh, but in Europe, apparently, there had been more of a uh, tradition of, of low-cost drugs to pass savings along to pharmacy shops. Well, because in
0: Europe, they use homeopathy where it's <laughs> there's no drug in it in the first place. It's, that's, just- that's how,
1: it's how they make uh, Schmidt.
0: It's, a, it's, it's just one some, molecule of beer. Right. An, an, some oil, and then you breathe across the top of it after you add a piece of gum, and it's, uh, it's supposed to cure cancer.
1: So, Carrefour, having seen you know pharmacy success of these low cost drugs, decides to put low cost groceries on its shelf. I, I'd, just to I'd, see I'd what also happens. just
0: like to point out if you're a homeopathist that you should write your letter of complaint to ken at omnibusproject.com.
1: I think we both make fun of homeopathy, I suppose don't we? we? Probably
0: we do. Yeah.
1: The water remembers, John. But it's <laughs> even if there's not a single molecule of uh, of essential oil
0: left. But it's out of love. It's out of love. I've dated enough uh, students at last yeah, year you- college that I don't want to <laughs> get in any more trouble than we I don't want to you to die. I mean,
1: John doesn't want to doesn't want to screw up his dating pool of naturopathic doctors, right? Um, but also, we don't want you to die. No. B- by thinking that you can uh, if- put a little. Penicillin in uh, in water, and then just drink the water.
0: If it is if it is required that you die in order that my access to naturopathic doctor dating pool isn't restricted, I'm willing to. There's got to be a number.
1: There's got to be yeah. a number of people you're willing to see go. Yeah. Uh, and what is that number? It's a
0: risk. To, it's a risk to reward ratio.
1: Do you have actuarial tables
0: I'm for this? I'm willing to risk a certain number of people in order to continue to date naturopathic doctors.
1: Uh, John, the one thing I know about all our listeners, past, present, or future, that I'm absolutely confident about, one hundred percent. Is that they are all looking to hire people uh-huh. for their large or small businesses.
0: I, I believe that to be true of our listeners too. The ones that Universally. Aren't, yeah, the ones that aren't right now hiring someone are going to be hiring someone soon.
1: Just within a week or two, you're gonna think I have a certain number of employees from zero to mm.
0: Twenty thousand. Sure, twenty thousand. And sure. I wish
1: it was one more. I wish it was between one and twenty thousand and one.
0: But Ken, hiring people is so hard. And there's I I, I I and so many of our listeners have so few resources to devote to finding the right person. They don't need to worry anymore. Indeed is here to help.
1: Indeed. Indeed, John. Indeed.com Indeed. Indeed. is the number one job site in the world dedicated to providing you with the best people for your openings, fast.
0: But do they charge you onerous fees and keep you on the line?
1: Oh, you'd think. But no, you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time. There are no long-term contracts. Doesn't that sound great?
0: Well, that's fantastic. But uh, but like, are, are job seekers really looking for jobs this way?
1: I'm glad you asked. 73% of online job seekers visit Indeed each month. They have provided the important hires that more than 3 million businesses have needed.
0: Well, I want to help our listeners and futurelings get access to this incredible service. Indeed, is there any way that we can make this easier for people? Or
1: Yes, I know they're all sitting up in their chairs right now because well, of their eagerness to hire these new employees. Sure, they're thinking, I didn't even know it was possible to hire someone, but I'm going to now. Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost their post.
0: So this $75 credit is free?
1: Yes. Normally, you know how much it would cost? How much?
0: $75.
1: More quality candidates will see your job listing at Indeed.com thanks to this free $75 credit. This is the best offer that I can
0: imagine Indeed offering anywhere. You would be correct. They have never offered a better offer anywhere. $75 free. At Indeed.com slash Omnibus. That's right. Go right now to Indeed.com slash
1: Omnibus. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. So in 1976, with these generic brands uh, taking the stage in Europe, uh, American grocery grocers are watching this, you know, American grocers with uh, declining profits Are watching this closely, and in in the late seventies, a
0: bunch. You're describing exciting times. All those grocers (laughs) on the on the edge of
1: their seat, watching the numbers come in from Europe, Uh, and it starts to be regional grocers first in Chicago and Boston and New York. Back when there were regional grocery chains, right? We should explain to the future links that that's all gone now. (laughs) Uh, Uh, The
0: the sentient piggly wigglies that are listening and saying, "What do you mean?"
1: The the sentient piggies have been eaten by the sentient food lions.
0: Oh sure! And now it's just food lions roaming. No, no, no. The sentient piggies lay down with the sentient food lions.
1: (laughs) It's a real, it's a real grocery utopia.
0: You know, I, I, am an optimist, and you're a pessimist. Uh,
1: And it eventually spreads to the larger chains. And, and the idea here is that you can, you can save a lot of money on things like advertising. You don't have to run national ad campaigns for your uh, um, salad dressing if it's just a white bottle that says salad dressing, because that's what these things were. That there was no fun packaging or marketing at all.
0: Oh, it, it wasn't store brand. It just said
1: store brands already salad existed. Dressing. Yeah, like A uh, and still already sold A and P salad dressing, Thousand Island dressing. But this was the ethos was this is as bare bones as we can make it. This is cheaper than store. Typically, these things would be about ten to forty percent cheaper than the house brands, and thirty to fifty percent cheaper than the national brands.
0: Now, where is this on the? I think of of um, of us also being on somewhat of a timeline where food is beginning to be polluted by uh, preservatives and and like taste chemicals that aren't actually food and you know, like dies and, and, and there was a time I think where you could buy salad dressing that just said salad dressing. Cause it hadn't occurred to anybody that there was a version of salad dressing that wasn't made out of oil, vinegar, cheese, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that, 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 but now when I would look, if I looked at a bottle that said salad dressing on a white label, I would think, oh, that's garbage. It's full of, Chemicals. It's going to have
1: five things I recognize and then xanthan yeah, yeah. gum. And
0: no, no no recognizable ingredients. And so where are we on that timeline of kind of the evolution of food from – even cheap food in 1950 was probably made out of – Three things. Yeah, three things. And And by 1985, I start to feel like we're in this weird – Where food has a lot of like plastic in it.
1: My sense is this: by the late seventies, these would have been heavily processed foods for the most part. But you know, a lot of the things that were sold as generics were just a can of green beans, right? Ingredients: green beans. As
0: as Mindy would say, no recipe. No recipe.
1: And uh, and the ones that were sold as generics would have been lower grade. This is not just the same as house brands. Where typically they might be running out of the same plant. Even it's just. a slightly cheaper alternative that saves on advertising costs. So this was actually the, the the fruits and vegetable, the produce might be a lower grade. You know, it might be irregular apples in the applesauce. Uh, the peach syrup might have less sugar. The, uh, the 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 generic peanut butter was often not made out of whole peanuts. Apparently but with what article one article describes as splits and runners oh yeah and i don't know in the peanut industry what that is but
0: splits and runners it's also uh, it's a way that they grade pantyhose
1: <laughs> yeah do they have generic pantyhose
0: but they do. I guess,
1: that not that effectively what legs was in the egg? Wasn't that just No, I think
0: a, that was... That legs cost more. Oh, is that true? Because you get an egg? It was grocery store pantyhose you want to avoid. <laughs>
1: um, but, you know, there'd, there'd be fewer varieties of these things. It would be slightly lower grade. And you could maybe in a taste test, if there was a Consumer Reports taste test, you could say, this beer is not as good. This detergent doesn't wash as well.
0: Well, you know, I always was uh, fairly convinced about that sort of irregular fruit or splits and runners um, logic because a piece of fruit is bruised, but if you're putting it in a into applesauce, it doesn't matter. Right. And if a peanut is split before it goes into the peanut butter maker- I have to assume that's what splits and runners are. Yeah, it makes no difference because you're, cu- you're, you're chopping it no, all it's, up No, it's anyway. like
1: homeopathy. The peanut butter remembers.
0: But if you're standing there as a buyer and a crate of-, of Whole peanuts comes up, and a crate of split peanuts comes up. Of course, you're going to pay more for, you know, you're going to the 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 whole peanuts are going to get charged at a higher rate because you know they're they're beautiful and there they are. But in terms of making peanut butter, it, it probably doesn't make a difference. So I was I I, I was always somewhat convinced by that argument. Um, it's just at the point at which it's a choice between sugar and aspartame, or a choice between aspartame and and less pertain cyclamates. Yeah. Or, uh, that, that it starts to become an issue, right. Where it's like, oh, well we couldn't find real cheese. So we put government cheese. We couldn't find real government cheese. So we put gym mats.
1: Yeah. Right. Insulation. (laughs) Uh,
0: That was that. And, and trying to figure out where that line is between, is this just splits and runners or are we talking about, um, I think in general stuff
1: tasted pretty good. Yeah, it was uh you know if you did an A B test you could maybe tell that the generic was not as high quality or something, um, and I think it would be mostly true in cases of the things with recipes as Mindy would say right. like the the boxed dinners might be noticeably worse for example, but uh, but the ethos was people didn't care like you you were buying economy and uh, and everything about the packaging screamed this if you remember right they would just kind of they would boast of their blankness they were these empty white squares and cylinders with the the name of the product written in kind of big bold uh sans serif type and it would say peaches or rice or whatever um are, no, no
0: picture no advertising i remember evoking a couple of things and one of them was we were far enough away from the bomb shelter culture of the late '50s, early '60s, that this felt like a little bit of a of a a, a wink and a nod to that to that sort of space race era. Uh, you're going to put a whole turkey dinner into a pill, kind of 2001. Space Odyssey idea of it what looked the future futuristic. Would be. It did, maybe dystopian, but definitely futuristic. Dystopian, but but there was an ironic element to it. And yes, the thing about being what what I imagined when those things first showed up on the shelves was not that actual that people that really were cost, cutting costs, people that were really. Counting their pennies, yeah. Like, I,
1: boy, I just saved half a cent in colored ink on this.
0: Uh, I don't think that they pasta. were the ones buying this. It felt like an ironic food product that you would buy, not as a joke exactly, but as a. It was statement food. It was it was reverse snobbery food.
1: Yeah, if it didn't start out that way, I think it became that way very quickly. Uh, to the to your dystopian point, uh, National Lampoon very quickly ran a, a kind of a joking spread showing a, a future supermarket where every single food was just a, ge- a generic white box with the name of the thing. Food. Yeah. It said food. And then it <laughs> said drink on the other stuff. Yeah. And it's in repo man as well, right? Doesn't yeah. somebody, isn't somebody eating a, a box of food or something yeah, like food. that? Um, and I think the, let's go get food and not pay. And the irony happened very quickly as well. Um, you started to see the generic ethos leaving the grocery store and people would buy a t-shirt that was just white and said, t-shirt.
0: Yeah. See, that's hilarious. Get it? Yep. And- That's uh, good. That's, um, that's like RoboCop level of Of, so, uh, of, of social uh, <laughs> critique, right? <Yeah. laughs> uh,
1: I, I just, I, I remembered, I haven't thought about this for a long time. There was, Marvel Comics actually put out a generic comic book that just said, generic comic book. And it huh. featured superhero battling supervillain,
0: <laughs> and it was written by writer and drawn by penciler and inker. If you think about it, we we've talked for a while about doing an episode on le car, and <laughs> le car is the French. That's right. It's a French joke because it's not even a French car. Is there some overlap with the punk aesthetic
1: here? Of just that stark, like it look They, they kind of look like punk show flyers, right? With right. the stark white and black, uh, stripped down look. It almost seems like you're not just reaching out to penny pinching housewives. It also might be kids that like this stripped down look.
0: Well, yeah. And, and I, like I say, I never, I never saw those products as things for penny pinching housewives. It always felt like if you had, if you had food in a food box, it was college student stuff. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, um, it was punk. It was, and then it, then it was like anti punk, or it was, you know, like, like punk didn't want to be that easy. And so it became a kind of, it was like bro punk, kind of.
1: Yeah. Cause it's not the minimalism of the White Album, you know, it actually says, uh, noodles on it or, right. or, or whatever in big, in big Helvetica type. It kind of reminds me of... Do you remember when that Jane's Addiction record got censored? And so they just put out one that was just an an all-white cover with the First Amendment written in in sans serif type? You can count on
0: Perry Farrell to...
1: He really stuck it to the man there, didn't he? He
0: did. Eat it.
1: But I think you don't get that without without the generic food boom of a decade earlier. You know, the idea that, uh, oh yeah, we're going to call attention to the fact that this is nothing but a white void with black type.
0: Yeah, well, and it's also... It's also the rise of anti-commercialism.
1: Yes, exactly. That's right. You're not giving money to Kraft or General Mills. Right. Uh, and
0: and I'm not, you know, I'm not somebody that's like taken in by your whole your, your Madison f- Avenue. Your
1: funny cartoon mascot and your slick slogans.
0: Yeah, forget that, man. It's uh, all the same,
1: man. And maybe the what was both the genius and the downfall of this uh, is that it was – an amazing visual to the shopper because all these foods were segregated into a ghetto aisle of the supermarket.
0: Oh, well, there was a there was a generic aisle.
1: Yes, and it was for a very simple reason, which is that manufacturers did not want their products to be shelved right next to an equivalent one that was a third cheaper.
0: So the manufacturer lobby got to big grocery. Yeah,
1: and and it, honestly, the stores were not loving it either because their own store brands were suffering as well.
0: Right. Um, well, so I remember that. I remember the generic aisle and going down, it was like dish soap. It was next. everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was it was canned uh, pears right next to
0: detergent and... And you were suddenly in a black and white movie instead of in a color movie. And it did feel... I mean, I bought that stuff. I bought generic dish soap, and ge- but I couldn't stand generic toilet paper. I think you go down the line and you're like, which one of these things am I willing to... You know, generic cat food? Sure, who cares? It's just a stupid cat.
1: I asked Mindy about brand loyalty and she said, well, you should talk about toilet paper. And I said, why? She said, because I kept buying the Kirkland stuff. And finally you were like, Mindy, uh, after Jeopardy, you were like, Mindy, I'm a millionaire now. Like buy real toilet paper. Get the
0: soft toilet paper. (laughs) This is a problem I have with my East Coast friends. They all, no matter how well they do in life, they still buy Scott toilet paper because uh, because they have some idea of themselves as like that that's... Man of the people, thrifty. You're good enough, and I'm like Scott. Tissue paper is prison toilet paper, and if there's one thing you're going to spend money on, it's the softest, cushiest toilet paper you have that money could buy.
1: I mean, I remember sitting as a kid being pushed back this pushed by this row of white groceries, and it totally worked as a marketing yeah. tool. I was like, "What is happening on aisle six? Right,
0: it's insane." There's also an environmental. Idea oh yeah, there. I didn't think about that. Right, that we're trying to reduce waste, we're trying to reduce, reuse and recycle, and this generic stuff feels just one step closer to, to to cardboard. Yeah, already being in the landfill.
1: Yeah, and I wonder if that was a if shoppers were appealed to on that basis, or if it was just a tiny bit early for that. Um, but in any case, it turned out to be a bit of a fad. It didn't. Mm. It didn't last. You will not see an aisle of monochromatic. Groceries in any store today, Future Links, and in, in our era, this is at least—it's almost forty years gone.
0: It is generic beer that killed it, because there's one thing that should have sold it, which is generic beer, because there, because fifteen percent of the beer buying public just wants beer, just, just looks
1: for the cheapest label. They do
0: not care; they just want beer. My, uh, my recently deceased brother drank the cheapest Keystone Ice Light that he could get uh, because he just want, because beer is a thing that you want to consume in quantities. In fact, you want to consume mass quantities of beer.
1: Yeah. Nobody says, Hey, uh, do you want a Michelob? Unless you're in an ad, what you say
0: is, Hey, can I grab you a beer? Do you want a beer? And if you're with fancy, fancy people, you grab a fancy beer. Um, But um, wait a minute. I'm just thinking, did the cone heads drink generic beer?
1: Oh, that would be, that would be right in line with that kind of National Lampoon, Repo Man, uh, comic aesthetic right there.
0: Yeah. Right. They drank, they drank. And and Carrefour is in France, so. They drank six packs of beer and they would drink the whole, uh, the whole six pack. You know, they would just, they wouldn't take it out of the, of the plastic containers. They would just sit and drink it.
1: Maybe they drank Billy beer.
0: Oh, wouldn't that have been good? (laughs)
1: Did they? Can you find any evidence that the Coneheads drank, drank generic beer?
0: I'm trying to I'm trying to look here. Hang on, just a second.
1: A few things happened to end the fad. Uh, the uh, you know ghettoizing it in one aisle of the supermarket. I think it actually worked, even though it probably fascinated shoppers and led to a lot of uh, trend pieces being written about the generic food boom. In fact, sales were never that great hmm. because you would not you would not know you know if you're going to you know where to go in the store to buy mustard right. but you're not going to think let me go to the generic aisle and get my mustard and my fabric softener and my you know it, it violates the way people shop
0: right you would either have to commit to going to the generic aisle first yeah or forget to and and then at the end be like oh i could have like i bet that i bet you saw that Fairly often that in the generic aisle, there were, um, there were a bunch of name brand products that people had taken out of their shopping (laughs) carts and put on the (laughs) shelf when they realized. So I'm looking at a can of, of, uh, of Conehead beer and it actually is, it is a white label and it says beer on it, but it, it looks like it has the Schlitz. It has some kind of logo on it. An emblem. Interesting. So but, it's more like a just a non-product placement thing? Yeah, but it does just say, it is just a white label that says beer in that same black font. So Coneheads might have been like early early adopters. That would have been 1977.
1: They're thought leaders, they're influencers. Yeah, yeah 77 is, is right when this started up in the States. A couple other things happened uh, that hastened the end of the fad. One is that digital printing technology got cheaper. It was no longer... Uh, prohibitive to print color labels or specifically to switch labeling in the middle of a production line run. Oh. So it became much easier to just, uh, you know, have a green bean plant turn
0: out. 17 brands. Yeah,
1: and uh, and keep switching labels. The other thing is that stores, inter- seeing that this could work, stores introduced their own generics, as they were then called, mm-hmm. which is kind of a tiered level of store brands.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: I don't know if you're aware of this. Oh, today. Safeway Select. Yeah, then, exactly. You've got yeah. your President's Premium Choice, but then you've also got Foodland. You know, and they're both Kroger brands. It's just that one conveys. Guess what? You just saved seventeen cents on chili, and one conveys you're a you're a discriminating customer, sir. This is essentially
0: as good as Starbucks. It's crazy because Kroger has gone and purchased a lot of grocery store chains. Yeah, Kroger in Seattle owns QFC. And also Fred Meyer. Yes. And, and
1: Safeway and Albertsons now have the same parent company too, which has right. led to a lot of grocery stores shutting down where there's a Safeway and Albertsons like four blocks away.
0: But what you see then is you go to Safeway and then on the shelves, there are Safeway brand and Albertsons brand. You go to Fred Meyer and there's Kroger stuff and you go to the competitor across the street, QFC, and there's Kroger stuff. It's anarchy. It's it's, yeah. the,
1: it's the illusion of free market
0: capitalism. Right? Well, yeah. It's one of the reasons we can't tax the rich. And that concludes... Generic Food. Entry 521.JB1817. Certificate number 34402 in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, and there are still distinct brands of social media... Rather than just generic social media, <laughs> I'm gonna go get on social. I'm I am on social media. Uh, we still had social media, sort of, not even really with that much, uh, with that much diversity. But we do we did have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We
1: have the fake diversity of uh, of Kroger, which is you know Facebook kind of encouraging the young people to right. get onto Instagram. Who owns TikTok now? TikTok's owned by the Chinese still I think, isn't oh, okay. it? Okay. Well, so it's basically the government of China.
0: Anyway, you can go on these different places, Reddit. Uh, we don't have a um, we don't have much of a presence on uh, the US government uh, social media sites, but uh, but but I'm sure there are a lot of government employees here that could add us to some kind of DARPA listserv. Uh, but we're at Omnibus project at all those places. Ken and I are on Twitter, at Ken Jennings and at John Roderick. I'm also on Instagram, at John Roderick. Uh, you can email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com. You can join our...
1: Don't send anything timely, because I read it about once a month. So if you're like, hey, I want you to call my uh, grandma for Mother's Day. That's too late. Not going to happen.
0: Yeah. I, I watch Ken open the mail right here in front of me, and, and it's always he always goes, oh, look, oh, I forgot. We have mail. And then he pulls out like an apple crate. Uh, But we do read it, and it is wonderful to get it.
1: We love our mail. Did you read the P.O. Box address?
0: Uh, You can mail us things at P.O. Box 55744 Shoreline, Washington 98155.
1: Right now I'm reading um, a magazine that randomly showed up in the mailbox of Mike, an Alberta engineer who listens to the show, but he he does not know why he received the Journal of the Northern Territories Water and Waste Association.
0: That is something I'm going to... Avidly consume as He's, soon as this program's over. He
1: says he was captivated and has never been so immediately interested in everything. Now the northern territories, and I didn't know this, is apparently Canadian term of art for the Northwest Territories and Nunavut.
0: Yeah, but not Yukon. Uh, no, or, I don't think so. The northern Northern territories are because because it used to be there used to just be Northwest Territories. Right, there wasn't Nunavut, and but so they, n-
1: they split off. Nunavut had a coup.
0: They have a... the
1: Nunavutians uh, wanted self-rule.
0: They have they have very distinctive, they're they're super distinctive uh, universes. Yukon Territory is its own thing.
1: And here are some sample headlines from this magazine: Community wastewater infiltration system at Settermoen, Troms County, Arctic, Norway. So it appears to be about the the problems of water infrastructure in the Arctic.
0: Well, yeah, because you're dealing with permafrost. You've got a lot of uh, you got a lot of thaw and freeze.
1: Here you'll enjoy this this um. It's a oh, very Fort lushly Smith. illustrated feature about a water sewer system retrospect, a retrofit in Fort Smith, Northwest Territories.
0: I've been noticing in my own backyard, which has a small creek, that there somewhere upstream of me there is a um, there's a cistern and the local government is managing the water in such a way that every once in a while I'll be down in the creek, you know, catching polywogs and the The flow will increase by 50%. Like somebody turned a switch? Like someone, yeah, opened a, you know, like hand cranked a valve.
1: This is how Chinatown starts. You're going to die.
0: I know. And then I'm down in the creek and all of a sudden it's got all this water. And then, uh, an hour later it subsides and goes back to its regular flow. And I don't know what city agency, I don't, I, I'm, I, uh, I, I'm, now I'm super curious. I, I need to do some investigation because somewhere upstream there's, a, there's somebody in some coveralls that's making decisions that are affecting my life.
1: Oh, and here's one more Pokemon card I forgot to give your daughter. I hope she wants Feraligatr. I'm sure she does. Uh, but that did not come in the mail. That just happened to be in this
0: bag. Oh, I see.
1: So, yeah. Here, alligator. Here, here you go. Uh, that's nice. If anybody wants to subscribe to the Journal of the Northern Territories Water and Waste Association... Check it out. Thanks, oh, Mike.
0: That. That's beautiful. Uh, also, let me encourage you to uh, support the show by uh, contributing to our Patreon at patreon.com/slash Omnibus Project. Uh, in doing so, you get access to a lot of bonus content. We do a we do a addenda episode every month where we review reader mail. And, and denigrate it, and and uh, and we take other things into consideration. We,
1: we rate it all on a scale of of uh, red red half circle to black full circle with nipple. Uh,
0: very occasionally, we will admit having missed a point, or we will in, uh, sometimes even admit wrongdoing. And uh, we will amend our uh, entries. Only
1: in cases where the statute of limitations has expired or there's no legal liability in any U.S. state.
0: It hardly ever happens. Mostly we just uh, rip the correspondence to shreds. No. Because we're, you know, we have our rapier-like combined wit.
1: Typically it's not... Corrections, so much as it is. Uh, Addenda. Here's a cool thing you you guys should have yeah, mentioned, and you, fair enough, we should have.
0: You forgot that this thing that I've studied my whole life, uh, I, I know more about than you. Because
1: nominally, this is a complete compendium of all the knowledge of our time. So, right. really, anytime we leave anything out, it needs to be. Added. We have let you the future down.
0: But also, if you contribute to our Patreon, uh, we there there are several tiers, as is the the style of the time, and uh, some of those tiers. Include you receiving actual physical gifts from us, including the um, the show notes that we use to record the shows themselves, like this illegible piece of paper that says "generic food, you Market,
1: Carrefour, Segregation, <laughs> Neo Generics." And now at the bottom it says cheese, "cheese cubes and nautical theme" because I'm I'm jotting down ideas, ideas for for, for, for the show ones. description. Yeah, no, <laughs> cheese <laughs> cubes is not its own show.
0: Cheese cubes, <laughs> <laughs> you have access. <laughs> Cheese cubes. It's, uh, that was uh, my favorite um, My favorite Jay Giles song. Cheese cubes.
1: <laughs> Cheese cubes. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We, we outlasted the gimmick that was generic foods. Uh, we have no idea which gimmicks currently extant will outlive us. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come, but... If the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, uh, could very well be our final word to you. We hope not. We hope that Providence will allow us to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.